welcome to hey great shot this is the great shot podcast a crack rackets and tennis channel podcast network production my name is alex gruskin right off the bat west off i need all of the emergency sound effects give me the lion's roar give me that tornado siren is that a fire truck i hear in the background it must be because folks we finally know the field for the 2021 Division I men's and women's NCAA tennis team events. Joining me on tonight's podcast to break down all of the decisions that were made are the two other members of our college tennis holy trinity. We are so excited to be joined tonight after we missed him yesterday by the former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com. And a little tidbit for all of you listeners, another uh, story from our tournament here this weekend. I'm at the tournament desk. was so flattered that someone came up and said, hey, you're Alex Gruskin from the podcast. I said, I must be. If you recognize me, I guess that's right. Uh, Who are you? And he introduced himself, and then he turns to Westoff, and he goes, and you must be Matt Stachowiak. And joining us on the podcast tonight, not Daniel Westoff, but the actual Matt the Crack Stachowiak. Matty, hey, great shot as always. feel like it's always a good thing to be confused for Super Producer Westoff. Well, that is a good thing from my perspective. But if you're Westoff, <laughs> I'm sorry, Westoff. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> if I were you, I would have just said... No chance that I'm Matt. I'm not. Who do you think I am? That nut job? No way. Um, so no, that's uh, that's funny, man. But glad to be back on here. I'm fired up. We just saw the selections for the NCAA tournament. So many good matchups. So many teams that got screwed. Everything in between. Um, I'm fired up, man. I'm ready for this weekend already. There are like four podcasts per year that I'm always looking forward to. You guys know the kickoff draft is probably my favorite podcast of the year. NCAA Selection Show, again, is certainly in the top four. And, of course, if we're talking Selection Show, we need the mechanics of how it all went down. What were the tie-breaking rules? What were the records that made one person a top seed, another person drop a spot? And, of course, no person is more in tune with all of those facts than the third member of our College Tennis Holy Trinity joining us here tonight. You know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of mothers, lover of almond joys, the snitch, the professor. He quotes Henry Ford, and yes, he is run by his wife. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot to you. How are you doing, my friend? I imagine, I know what my phone looks like. I can only imagine some of the texts and messages you, you must be fielding. Yeah, my, you know, I think ours are a little, we're, we're flip-flop though. Yours, for the most part, come after the draft. Mine, for the <laughs> most part, or the, the the selection, mine, for the most part, come before the selection. I was hammered all day up until about 5.30, and then it went silent, and a couple trickled in after that. But it was, you know, it was pandemonium beforehand, and I think yours yours is the opposite. As soon as it all play, went at, went down, you got lit up. Yeah, first of all, let's be clear. When Chris said he was hammered earlier today, he meant by alcohol. He was drunk as hell just all day long in preparation. (laughs) He holds up the beer. He's drinking simultaneously to the show, but unsponsored beer, so they don't get a name drop here on the podcast. But hey, if you're listening and you want to sponsor, always a spot available. Um, Yeah, Maddie's shaking his head. First of all, Maddie, you'd get the first six-pack sent to you. Let's be clear. Um, But, you know, to your point, yeah, that's why we're a good duo, because when people want serious information, they come to you. When people want fun reactions they come to me and of course when people want that perfect nuance they turn to maddie that's why we're so happy to have again all three of us here to discuss these ncaa selections quickly before we start you guys know the deal why can we do emergency podcasts like this on a moment's notice because of the support we get from all of you because of the support we get from our patreon family and of course from our friends at turn of tennis sales at unique or 800-554-3707 all right i don't want to spend another second not discussing this NCAA selection uh, and all of the information that came down when it there that came with it there's a lot to react to right we have the fact that we also had unofficial lineups submitted and there's some juice in those unofficial lineups there's the fact that you know there was a cut line who was cut who didn't what were the top 16 seeds I think though the place we just have to start is how with the field at large and the fact that after you know what was it 
three weeks ago, two weeks ago, that there was an announcement about the ITA computer rankings, that the ITA computer rankings were, uh, because of the disparagement between what they reflected and the level of teams in the Big Ten in particular and the Pac-12, and it's an issue we have talked about at length here. So to quickly summarize, Big Ten's the only conference that didn't get to play any non-conference matches outside of the kickoff weekend. Only Illinois made it to the final eight of the kickoff weekend. The Big Ten has been, you know, paying for that ever since. That's the brief synopsis. Uh, Of course, the big question coming into the tournament, what would, after the announcement that the computer rankings were off, that they were going to consider additional criteria when making their NCAA selection. So to ensure that schools from the Big Ten Conference weren't penalized for not playing non-conference matches to ensure that there was, you know, a fair and accurate field this year that they would incorporate manual adjustments. Well, after all of the discussion about that, what would those manual manual adjustments look like? Who would they affect? We look at this draw, and I apologize because usually the first question goes to you, Maddie, but I got to go to Chris here first. Essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong here, and again, the floor is yours. Take this wherever you want to go. But essentially, we have the computer rankings on our hand. And again, we'll talk about the mechanics, give our thoughts to the actual decisions made. But let's just start with the facts. They essentially ran the computer rankings, Chris, and then they subbed in Michigan and Northwestern. That was really it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they effectively treated Northwestern and Michigan as if they were conference winners, right? So that they were reserved spots in and still seeded them based off basically off their computer rank, uh, as well as Ohio State and Illinois, right? All of the Big Ten schools effectively, Ohio State, you could argue, maybe got a little bit of leniency because technically they were back to back with VCU in the thirties. Technically they really would have been a three, but they always have a little bit of leeway there anyway, that they don't have to go dead. Right. You know, 17 to 32 is a two because of the geography, but yeah, for the most, I mean, 99%, it was dead straight up computer ranks and uh, you know, and we've had some people chime in, Florida Baylor. Baylor was one in the computer rank. Well, keep in mind, they, they have more criteria than just head-to-head when they go to do those flipping. And the K, and what I posted out on Twitter and a few of those responses is, I believe the case there, their second criteria is record against common opponents. Those two schools both played TCU, Texas, Texas A&M. Baylor went 6-3. and three. That's a 667 winning percentage. Florida went 3-1. and one. That's a 750 winning percentage. Florida gets the nod. So they go to one uh, and that, and that's why I, so from, and that, that happens in a normal year. So it looks to me like they just stood status quo right by the ITA computer ranks. I mean, the first shock, as soon as we saw Illinois at 16, I mean, we, we knew, okay. Boom! You know, it was literally a boom moment. Well, and the, and the first boom actually came, you know, 30 minutes earlier when we saw, you know, no SMU, no Iowa in the women's field, Iowa being the first team out in the computer rank. And you had to feel mm-hmm. like if the Big Ten, we know the women's is much more accurate than the men's as far as the Big Ten goes, because they did have other teams get to kick off. And, you know, it's not quite so skewed, but you still can make the case that had Iowa been able to play any other match outside of the conference, the women would have been in the tournament they're the, literally the first team out in the rankings, and they didn't get in. So that was your first clue as to, man, they look like they're going straight computer ranks. And then we see the men's field, and, you know, sure enough, other than the manual adjustments that you absolutely had to make for Michigan and Northwestern, it was straight computer ranks. Which, and this is, again, now we enter the opinion side, and there is no one who is better at, I think, Uh, describing and making their opinions nuanced and, you know, again, relevant than you, Maddie. So this is where I want to bring you in. And this is where, again, I, when I was framing the discussion we're having here today, had it been known from the beginning of the season that they were going to use the computer rankings, that there may be a few manual adjustments, but to the most part, for the bulk of the field, for the bulk of the decisions, they were going to stick to the computer rankings. Had that been the the decision, had that been what was communicated from the get-go, we probably don't have as emotional of a reaction as we're going to get to today. But 
given the fact that there was so much discussion, and I guess a lot of that discussion was driven by us. We live in a bubble here, the three of us, and we're talking about the things we would like to see most in college tennis, and there's no denying we have agendas here, and our agenda is to see the most competitive field possible. And I know that's a positive spin on it, but our agenda is we would like to see changes implemented that we enjoy. There's no denying that, and manual adjustments was something we were all in favor of. That being said, that it was even suggested that manual adjustments would happen to see the field, or given that it was suggested, to see the field unfold as it did, Maddie, your reaction. <laughs> you know, Gruskin, <laughs> I could say that, I could sit here and say I'm surprised, right? Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, you know, it's so shocking. But really, I mean, we, I think we all knew that there was a chance that something was really going to get screwed up. I mean, we were just waiting for it. We were just waiting, hoping to see that they got this right. You know, and unfortunately, they didn't get it completely right. Um, I mean, the Big Ten clearly got shafted. And there's a couple of ways you can look at it, right? I mean, you can look at it from one perspective and say, you know what? It was their conference that did this to them. They chose not to allow them to play outside of the conference. You reap what you sow. And this is what you get. You have to live with it. But I think people that follow college tennis like we do, we know that some of these Big Ten teams, they deserve better. Like you look at Illinois, who just won the Big Ten Conference Championship Tournament. They had a fantastic performance against Ohio State. I watched the entire thing. It was like a four-hour match. I streamed the whole thing. They end up with a 16 seed, and if they make it through this weekend, they have to play Florida, the number one seed. They deserve better than that. Come on. They won the Big Ten. Ohio State, I know they didn't win the Big Ten, but they were worthy. This team on paper, they're a top 10 team. They're, They're really good, and now... They have to go to Wake Forest. So Ohio State's not happy that they have to go play Wake. But think about it from Wake Forest's perspective. The Deeks are looking at this going, well, damn, we gotta play, we gotta play the Buckeyes now. That that's not good <laughs> yeah. for the they the Wake Forest worked the entire season to earn their number 10 seed. And now they have to welcome Ohio State in there. So, you know, we just want to see this get get done right. We want we want it to be fair, and we know that there's no perfect way. It's never going to work out perfectly, but it's just – it's disappointing. I mean, Illinois put in a lot of work, man. I mean, I know they played a Big Ten schedule, and they did play national indoors. They were hosting it and everything, but they put in a lot of work, and and to get shafted like that with the 16 seed, it's tough to see. Um there's just a lot of matchups here. You know, again, Stanford, we've talked about them. Where are they going to end up? They end up going to Charlottesville. I mean, you think mm-hmm. Virginia, the Wahoos, who had such a good season, right? One of the top teams. And in teams. 2019, had Stanford almost knock them out in the round of 16. One of the best matches of that year. Yeah, I mean, this team went through their whole season. They beat Ohio State in Columbus to go to the national indoors. They win the ACC regular season. They win the ACC tournament. And now they have to play Stanford in the second round on the first weekend. I mean, you can look at it from the perspective of, man, this sucks for Illinois. It sucks for Ohio State. It sucks for Michigan. But it also sucks for the teams that they have to play as well. It's a two-way street. And I always thought, I thought there were going to be five teams from the Big Ten that got in. Yesterday, I was hearing rumblings from several different sources that were telling me, hey, they're going to put in five Big Ten teams. Minnesota's going to get in. Uh-huh. They're going to take an average of over the last few years of the Big Ten teams. So we thought there were going to be five. And that doesn't even happen. We get four of them. So it just it's one of those things where I think it was lazy. On the NCAA's part, it was lazy. Uh-huh. They went straight computer rankings, and that's it. Of course, they added Michigan, they added Northwestern, fine, big whoop. But they still went, mm-hmm. they still went computer rankings. Me and you, I mean, Gruskin, we could have done that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And you talk about it, competitive disadvantages. That's what this causes. And that is what, as a selection committee, it is your job to avoid. And I want to be clear. 
We're going to have Tim Russell on the podcast. I, I think he were recording it Tuesday night. It's probably going to be released Wednesday. And I felt bad because it was unprofessional of us to take a shot at the rankings, given our relationship with the ITA, given our relationship with Tim. Let's have him on. Let's let them tell them shot of the story. Tim's a big boy. He can answer adult questions. We can disagree without being disagreeable. And so that's why we wanted to have him on now, because certainly we want to hear from the ITA's perspective. And it's, it's very important to distinguish between the ITA and the NCAA selection committee, and we have done our best to try and do that. The ITA is the governing body of college tennis. The NCAA selection committee is who decides this NCAA field. And you use the word lazy, and I am trying my best to be as kind as possible because to take pot shots at straw men, the NCAA is the ultimate straw man. They get more pot shots than anyone. They deserve a lot of them. But like, it's just a f***ing joke. It absolutely is. I don't know what word to use beside that. And again, this is not criticism lobbied at the NCAA this, or at the ITA. This is criticism lobbied at the process. I fill out a USTA ballot every week. It's 25 teams. I know how difficult that is. You get to, especially in the early months of the season, good luck. But even here towards the end, fine. Do I know my top 17, 18, 19? Yeah, I feel pretty good about those teams. But 20, 21, 22, it's really difficult. And there are really thin margins. And to imagine uh, any sort of committee, even the most enthusiastic, well-informed college tennis uh, fans, people within the sport out there uh, to do that, to go 64 down and pick each team and hand select, that is asinine. That's never going to happen because that would require a degree of work that frankly, it's just that sort of commitment will never happen. Um, But if you're expecting a group of uninformed college tennis fans who don't follow it week in, week out, and I don't know the individual members of the selection committee perfectly, but it's... Like, I promise you they're not watching all the matches. They aren't seeing the fact that Michigan's three lo- uh, the three teams they've lost to this year are Illinois, Ohio State, and Baylor. Those are all top 10 teams. The fact that Ohio State has only lost to Virginia, Michigan, and Illinois. Those are only top 10 teams. The fact that Illinois lost to Baylor, lost to Ohio State, that's it. Those are top 10 teams. It's a joke. It's a joke that Illinois is, the, is a 16 seed, and obviously I'm a Michigan Wolverine. I would have been fine if Michigan was a two seed. But to make Ohio State a two seed, to send them to Wake Forest, is just ridiculous. And, like, if you search at all, if you just two clicks on the Ohio State website, two clicks, and you'll see how well they've done at the NCAA tournament since Ty Tucker took over. That's all it takes. And to get that sort of decision incorrectly speaks to the flaws in the process. And that's what fundamentally the anger is with, is just the confusion surrounding the season. You know, we got a tweet from Mike Cajun who was joking around saying, Maddie, if you can tell me what, you know, WTF, what the f*** is going on? Um, And it's like that the three of us who follow the sport as closely as one can follow the sport don't know what's going on, can't justify these selections at the highest level. I mean, and... Chris, this is where I want you to come in because you made this point on Twitter, and I think you made it well. Had they said this from the beginning, perhaps I don't have this emotion. So I can you, because my emotions are getting the best of me. It's a long day at the tournament. This is where I want. I need some nuance here. I need the professor to step in. Yeah. Look, if this I'm, was just simply a result, of, sorry, of the computer rankings, I swear I'm going to stop this rant eventually and let you speak, Chris. If this was just a result of the computer rankings. I mean, hey, is this just again? If this is just the computer rankings from the beginning of the year. There's no problem with this, right? This is the mathematical outcome. This is just what happen, has to happen, I guess. Is there? Are, are you concerned about the competitive balance given just how difficult it is to form an NCAA draw? Like, Are you upset with the placement of teams or are you upset with the process? Because I think it, you were trying to distinguish between the two on Twitter. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if they had come out, my issue is that if this is what you are going to do, it should have been known from day one. They could have said this three months ago and said, hey, look, we're going to use the ITA computer ranks. We w-, and they could have even said, we will make manual adjustments for the for the purposes of participation in the tournament, which is effectively the way it came out, right? They, they made manual adjustments to get teams in, a.k.a. Michigan and Northwestern, that by ranking ITA computer rank were out. They got them in with that, but they didn't even adjust them from, from that perspective. Michigan got in, but as a three seed, uh, and you know they, they left them where they were. If that's what you were going to do, 
you could have said that all along and to have come out with these multiple statements from the NTA about, oh, there's all these other factors at play and we're going to take, you know, we're going to look at the fact that people have had limited schedules. I don't, I didn't read any of that as we're going to take all of that into account only for the purpose of deciding who gets in the field. I think we all assume, maybe it was a bad assumption, but we all assumed that meant from a seeding perspective, they were going to do that too. And from a seeding perspective, clearly Illinois is a six, seven type team, Ohio State's, you know, an eight, nine, 10 type team where, you know, you can argue a spot or two, but it sure as hell isn't. Illinois 16 and Ohio State's not, a, you know, not 16, top 16 at all. But, but yeah, that, I mean, that's really my issue is if had you told me three months ago, that's the way it's going to be. And someone ha- would have just had, had to have the nuts to stand up and say, you know what? The Big Ten commissioner made a decision. The uh-huh. member schools that participate in that conference have to live with the consequences that their commissioner made. So be it. Is it, is it fair still? No, but it is that that's the way it's going to be. And that, and that, you know, cause that's the way it ended up. They just, no one ever wanted to say it. Now they're going to wait till it's done and everyone's going to complain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that was our fear from the beginning. We've been talking about this now for two months since that, that first announcement was made. And we talked about indecision being the death of everything. As soon as there's any doubt or any confusion, that's when the complaints come a million fold. I mean, case in point, there's rain this weekend at our tournament. The second rain's introduced, you get 7,000 questions. Where are you going indoors? Where are you going indoors? How are the match times affected? And until you make your decision, you are going to get question after question after question. And by not defining manual adjustment, by not defining what exactly you meant, by because, and quickly, because Chris, and correct me here, who were the two teams Michigan and Northwestern replaced in the draw? Was it Auburn and whom? Auburn and SMU. Auburn and SMU got replaced in the draw. And so, again, if you would have just said, we are going to make manual adjustments to ensure we have the right 64, but for seeding purposes, we're going to use the computer because to expect us to seed all 64 teams by hand, that's never going to happen. Even that, I think people live with. Like, if Michigan knew going into this, hey, you're going to get into the field, I'm sorry, unless you win the conference, that's the best you're going to do, yeah, we'd, we'd still complain. I'd still complain, certainly. But... Again, you'd have knowledge of that moving forward. And it is true that we're talking about, you know, two schools in the end that ended up getting adjusted for, but then it gets back to the competitive imbalance. And, like, this is where we get into the selections, Maddie. I mean, you, you mentioned it. Ohio State going to Wake Forest is a crime. Like, it, that, that one of those two teams isn't going to be in the final 16, those are two of your top 16 teams. And... Again, draws happen. You're not. You're never going to get the top 16 teams to all make the Sweet 16. But, I mean, I, again, I, I, I'm trying to, to rein myself in because I'll go on another five-minute rant. Take it away. Well, and I, I hate to bring this up again, Gruskin, but just look no further than your Wolverines, right? Arizona, <laughs> Michigan. We're three seed. We've lost a top 10 team. Right. Come on. There's, there's three teams there, in my opinion. You've got Kentucky. Arizona and Michigan, those are three teams that realistically could all be in the top 16. I mean, very Mm -hmm. much so. They could all be in Orlando. I think all three of those teams have had really good seasons overall, and they would deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, it makes for some fun match. I mean, if you look at it, you can look at it several different ways. From my perspective, obviously you guys know where my loyalties lie i'm riding with the baylor bears all the way so i'm good with it from their perspective i know chris mentioned (laughs) i'm not gonna say who someone texted me and say i think baylor could make the elite eight left-handed Ooh, well let's not get carried (laughs) away here i don't know i don't know who that was but let's calm it down for a second okay they're gonna play right-handed um but no i mean of course the the florida and and you know baylor flip-flop one and two yeah it was weird i didn't think it was gonna happen chris explained why that happened so be it all it's gonna do is give the bears more bulletin board material and say oh okay you want to put us number two we'll show you that's fine so in a weird kind of way i think this actually worked out better for baylor i like their draw but Some of these first-round matchups, guys, I mean, you're looking at, like, UCLA and Northwestern. You look at Michigan and Arizona. We're going to have a lot of fun tennis to watch early in this tournament, and I do like that, right? From a fan perspective, some of these matchups are super juicy, and that I do like. Now, obviously, if you're a fan of those teams, as you are, Gruskin, 
It hurts. I mean, it, it definitely puts a major sting in there um, because those are your guys. So, you know, for everybody that's not a fan of Big Ten schools, I think, okay, you're looking at it, man, we got some nice matchups here. This could be fun. Um, you know, but when you're a hardcore fan of, of those teams, it just, it, it is tough. But for me, I've accepted it. I'm over, I'm over it now. We've complained. We've talked about it. I'm looking <laughs> at the draw. I'm going to enjoy the tennis. And I'm fired up, boys. I mean, let's go. We have oh. a draw here. This is going to be a lot of fun. It really is. Do, do not confuse anger for disappointment. To your point, Maddie, I am amped for the opening weekend. And my only hope is that we have the ability to watch all of these matches. And I'm just saying this for the coaches listening. If for some reason your outdoor facilities don't have cameras— I'm not going to read my phone number on the podcast. I legitimately almost said my phone number. But DM, at Great Chef Pod, they're open. I, I may not – I promise you, if you tell Dalton Thieneman, hey, we need to make this happen, he can make things happen in four days. I swear to God, I've seen the man work miracles. Uh, three jobs and a wife. He's the most ridiculous human I know. So please, we want to see all these matches because they are outstanding. And with that in mind, you're right, enough complaining. Let's talk about the matchups we got both on the men's side and on the women's side, because across the board, mwah, delicious. And I do want to say, on the women's note, Northwestern and Ohio State both making the quarterfinals. The dividends that paid for the conference down the road, this is a case study in like how valuable is the national indoors to the computer rankings. This season, perhaps in itself, the, dispar- uh, the disparities between the men's and the women's rankings. But, I mean, I, I, I want to go to you here now, Chris, because... Up to bottom. Just tell me your reactions. What are the matches? We, we've talked about Wake, Ohio State. That's the headliner. And obviously, feel free to share your thoughts. But the ones that jumped out to you right away. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously. So, Wake, Ohio State. Stanford, Virginia. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, those, mwah! You know, I, I called the – those are the two headline matches, if you will, right, that we expect to see the, you know, the, the final, the second day match, if you will. They both win the first day and play for the right to go to Orlando. Uh so, so those two, along with that Kentucky region, that it's hard to even call because you don't even know who to say Kentucky's going to play because they get the winner of Arizona-Michigan, which is in itself a ridiculously good match. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's really, that's three top 20 teams right there. Kentucky and Arizona are already by ITA ranked top 20. And Michigan is, you know, by all, you know, from anybody that would have manually adjusted them, would have put them right around that 16-ish mark. I mean, they would have been top 20 there as well. So you've got three top 20 teams in that region. Those um, in those are the three big regions to me to, to pay attention to. There's a couple others where, yeah, maybe something. I mean, there's an interesting, I don't think in the end, it may all be all that interesting, but an interesting potential rematch with Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee at Ole Miss. I mean, mm-hmm. they they beat them once this year. You bet you bet Ole Miss wants to see them. Middle Tennessee's got to beat Tulane first. That's not going to be an easy feat. But but that one is at least interesting because it's a rematch of a match that took place earlier this year. I think Arizona State, with the run they've been on, uh-huh. is an interesting matchup for TCU. Uh, you know, assuming again, I'm just assuming all these teams manage to win their first matches. But should that match happen, I think that's a, a very interesting match. USC Pepperdine, I mean, Pepperdine, you know, they got the win over them. So there's, it's another one, you know, but I, I kind of expect that USC should be able to, to be able to win that. But again, I, I think we're, we're going to see no bolus. And I, I didn't look, go look at the lineup was he even submitted on the lineup. No, uh, nope. no, I, I don't think so. Okay. Man. So yeah. So there's no bolus. So, uh, so, you know, maybe a, a glimmer of hope and Pepperdine's got some of their guys back now. So, so that could be an interesting match. I think the UCF region, you know, my Bulldogs from Mississippi state, they've got to get by Miami, but that's an interesting match with UCF beyond those. For the most part, I think everything else is fairly, you know, I, I, I think Maddie might have one, I think fairly straightforward, but what do you, what do you got Maddie? So let me give you some first round matchups, guys, that we need to be looking out for, at least that I'm going to be, right? We mentioned some of those second rounders, but look, I'm watching Duke South Florida. First round, that's going to be entertaining. Very good first round match. I'm pumped for that one. How about, Chris, 
come on, man. Mississippi State, Miami. Look, mm. I definitely expect I expect your Bulldogs to get through that. I do for sure. However, Miami is a dangerous team. ACC, you know I'm watching the ACC. They have some players that could potentially cause some problems, but interesting match. We got to keep our eye on it. I do expect well, you guys to be fine there. Go ahead. Yeah, what what I'll say is, you know what, you know, I'm sure n- nobody knows this, but there's not the, the we've we've had scheduled matches for the past several years with Miami. We played home and home with them uh on and maybe even more than a couple years and then ran into them at like I don't know, is the Georgia Tech Invitational or whatever like the year after the four guy after Nuno, Trevor, Strali, and Nick all graduated, right? And there were lots of words like, oh, let's see how you do without the big guys now. You know, there was there was a lot of that going on. So there's not the best of blood between those two teams. So I think that will be a very interesting match. Um, and the thing you can't forget there is that's in Orlando. So, you know, Miami's used to the heat. That's going to be a little – that's the one thing I get a little worried about. But I'm with you. We, You know, Mississippi State should have the edge. The heat could definitely play a factor. But, yeah, that should be a very, very good match, especially, I mean, if Yankalovsky plays up to his potential, that guy's the wild card for Miami. Yep, absolutely. We've talked about that before. So I've got my eye on that one. couple of other first-rounders here, though, guys. How about UCLA Northwestern with no Keegan Smith? That mm-hmm. match could be very and interesting. Northwestern with Steve Foreman. Northwestern with Steve Foreman. You know what? In fact, I – I kind of like Northwestern in that matchup. I, I think I really do. Minus Keegan for UCLA, I just I don't trust the depth there at all. I, I don't like it. So I wouldn't be shocked if North Northwestern gets through there. And Chris, your other your other team, Liberty NC State. Come on, man. Now this I mean, one, look, come on. I know we're probably not expecting much to happen here, but we gotta tune into it. We have to tune in. Oh, there's no, yeah, there's, it's, there's it's beyond no, tune in. That might be our solo red zone. We yeah, might just have to do it. There's no, there, there is absolutely no doubt that for my two teams, Mississippi State and Liberty, in trying to get, you know, Liberty obviously not expecting to be able to knock off a one seed, looking for a competitive two three match, you know, they, they gotta, got it. I mean, they got to win, especially, I mean, all, all I could say, and now the funny thing here, there is, right, you got, you got Galarno at one frenzy state. You got Muamba at one for their best friends. Those two guys know each other. Now, Canadian. Uh, you know, I said, maybe you can convict, convince Lexi that he doesn't really want to play. Uh, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, honestly, but, but after Lexi, we all know, I mean, NC states doubles in Lexi and find two more. So, you know, would you rather take a shot at, at NC state or would you rather take a shot at Ohio state as a two seed? I mean, there's, you know, no question. So yeah, they both of those teams got, you know, draws that they can't be looking at going, oh my God, that's the worst thing that could have possibly happened to us. They're, you know, certainly Liberty's fighting uphill, but it's it's a it's a match they're gonna be looking forward to. Uh yeah, I like I mean, I like both of both of those are are very good, uh, I think first. And I and I I really like that middle Tennessee Tulane first round match. That's gonna be an absolute dog fight there. Yep. Uh I'm looking forward to that one, uh, as well as as well as even the Baylor region, Baylor's going to have no problem, but Alabama, Oregon to get to them should be a really competitive match. Yeah, no, those are all good options. And I feel like we've hit most of the regions. One of you might, I mean, again, my brain is fried. One of you might've said Tulane Ole Miss. That is a sneaky upset alert. Like absolutely Tulane can beat Ole Miss. I mean, if, Ole Tulane, Miss, I think is if Tulane wins their first round. Yeah, well, that's yeah. yeah, that's assuming, by the way, they get through Middle Tennessee. That's what I'm saying is like both of those teams. Ole Miss is just straight up upset alert. Uh, there is no that whole region is just funky. Um, yeah, I mean, up and down the board, there's a lot of matchups to like. I, the one that stands out to me. I'm not saying this Georgia team is, like, not good. They're very, very good, and they're finally healthy, and they're starting to play their best tennis if you remove that SEC tournament loss. But ETSU, Virginia Tech, and Texas Tech, like, and Michigan's a three seed? You could have sent Michigan there? Like, you could have split them and Arizona up? Maybe? Just maybe? Like, ugh. I noticed I that know. Virginia Tech, Texas Tech match too. I'm like, eh, you know, two teams that are like kind of bottom, you know, threes, perfect threes, perfect threes, right. really good threes. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, except Texas Tech is like, you know, they're right in the middle. They're, they were, they're 25s, right, projected. So they're mm-hmm. they're right in the middle of that, of the, the two-seed range. And and actually, actually, Tex, Virginia Tech and Texas Tech are both twos. I mean. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. Is that a travel thing? So why does that region end up like that? Yeah, I mean, every, every year for the past couple now, we've had some regions. It usually ends up with like, Virginia, the, actually, I'll say this. The first one, and I was talking to Shannon, Shan Reg, right, from Tennis mm-hmm. Recruiting, Slam Tennis, et cetera. I was talking to him earlier today, and our conversation, and but we both know this, it went like this. Yeah, 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 we all know as soon as we see Monmouth, we know they're going to Virginia. And one of yeah. the first teams announced in the draw is Monmouth, and they weren't going to Virginia. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, we're, we're, we've gone off script. But yeah, it's it's that kind of thing where because of the regionalization sometimes and how you have to put teams together, it just makes it makes more sense that you end up with two twos in one region and two threes uh, in another. And if that helps them reduce, I mean, you know, they've got a they've got a rather complicated system at work there that says for the overall field. We want to reduce. We want the minimum number of dri- minimum number of flights. We want as many drives as possible. And so, if if the algorithm comes out that hey, we can get one or two fewer flights overall by going two twos and two threes instead of a two three two three, they'll do that. And th- and that's why some of those things end up that way. Yeah, I've got a I've got a salute for that formula. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice and. Well, I mean, there's always the anti Gruskin. Just send Michigan to a yeah. ridiculous site. I mean, that well, that's that's rule number one. First of all, I feel like I'm on Michigan defense here. It's not just that. It's just like, I mean, we couldn't have traded with Oklahoma. Like, or one of Arizona and Michigan couldn't have just switched. Like, it's just. uh, Trade with Oklahoma. You want to go to A&M? No, I'm not saying I want to. I think it would be more competitively balanced to have the regions have Michigan and Arizona split between A&M and Kentucky. Like, I don't think it's. uh, I think Kentucky is closer in range to A&M. Then Oklahoma is in range to Michigan and and uh, Arizona. I mean, would you rather play Arizona first round and then Kentucky, or like Gruskin mm. said, you flip with you play Denver in the first round if you're who's Michigan, good. Who's, who's good, good, but not Arizona good. Yeah, and then you play A and M and you take your chance against A and M to make it to Orlando. Now Michigan's got to play Arizona right out of the box. Oh, and by the way, if they happen to beat Arizona. You got Kentucky there waiting for you, which is not an easy match. So it's just two tough matches when, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you go play Denver or somebody like that, who's good, but not to the caliber of a top 20 mm-hmm. school. I don't know. I, I agree with Gruskin there. I-, I think you'd rather take your chance with Denver and then maybe something happens against AM, right? You get well, them on a bad a- day or you play really well and you beat AM and then you go. Mm-hmm. Just from a region standpoint, though, and then again, Chris, I apologize for cutting you off here, Maddie, but like I, I'm looking at this region for, uh, as you mentioned, Texas A&M, and it's them, it's uh, Oklahoma, Denver, and New Mexico. For the other region, it's Kentucky, Michigan, uh, Arizona, and who's the fi- uh, who's the fourth team? Cleveland State. Uh, and Cleveland State, uh, who shout out to them as always. They seem to always be winning their conference. If I told you it was Texas A&M, <laughs> Arizona— Denver and New Mexico and uh, Kentucky, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Cleveland State. Like, I feel like those two regions are just more balanced. Yeah, because Oklahoma is a week two. Like, Oklahoma yeah. is a week two. Mm-hmm. They really I don't think are. That's unfair to say. Yeah. Oklahoma, yeah. like, we could yeah, almost make I... the case where Oklahoma could be a three. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I think that just came down to the fact that they did what they did to the big 10 and they didn't adjust the computer rank at all. Right. I mean, clearly that's what they did. And so Michigan ends up like, you know, a low tier three. Uh, And so, you know, from their perspective, it doesn't look like that. We all know better. Oh, you know, we look at it on paper and go, yeah, that's ridiculously hard, but, but yeah, that's, I'm, I'm with you. If, if, if that's what they were doing, yes, obviously. But then if that's what they were doing, Michigan wouldn't have been a three seed to begin with. So, and how about this, guys? Look at the little section between Virginia and USC. 
right? The five mm -hmm. seed and the 12 seed. So Virginia may have to go through Stanford in the second round just to get to Orlando. Then they have USC waiting for them in all likelihood. And then probably Texas. I mean, that's tough. You're Virginia, right? You win the ACC. In my opinion, in my rankings, I had Virginia number two in the rankings behind, right behind Baylor. I think you did, Chris. And Gruskin, you might have actually Gruskin. You had Virginia at one, I believe. You, you had you had. I yeah. stand by the take, but so yes, your it was number wrong. one team <laughs> is going to have to go through potentially Stanford in the round of thirty-two, USC Trojans in the round oh. of sixteen, Texas in the quarters, and that's just to make the final four, where they would probably have Florida. Let's just say that's brutal. Or or Illinois. Or like any of those teams. Yeah, it's that's not an easy stretch. I mean, no, top to bottom. And again, I, I want to talk about the lineups a little bit here, Chris. But you look at the field. I mean, I, I guess any final reactions to the field? Any final initial takes on what we saw unfold here? Selection show. I, I do have one more question for you, Maddie, afterwards. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm still, I'm still going to just, I, I think, I'm stunned by the the Stanford, Virginia, and Ohio State wake. I mean, that's yeah. just, you know. Well, let's one-up that then, the stun factor. That's perfect because, Maddie, you brought this up before the pod, and now's the time to flip gears here. Stanford's not going to make—like, they really might not make the round of 16 on the women's side. Like, they are at Pepperdine, a Pepperdine oh, team that is just on UTR, the, the best in the nation, Chris. Oh, I mean, the, the Vegas money line is, is ridiculous <laughs> against Stan. I mean, we're like— Pepperdine's like minus 750 here, right? Yeah, I mean, crazy. Stan Stanford has got, you know, they're in a world of hurt for the Stanford women to even make it to Orlando. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm sure those guys that were doing all the tweeting about, yeah, give us this, give us that. They're going to have a lot of hate mail coming their way. Should they not make it for the people trying to rub it in? And if they do make it and they beat Pepperdine, Oh, they'll be on the. They'll be even more on the offensive. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's a <laughs> crazy good match. I mean, to see that Stanford Pepperdine, you know, pod is. I that was that. I lit up as soon as I saw that. The thing that lit me up. You talked about earlier seeing the computer rankings and what they did for the women's field and how that was going to apply to the men's field. The second I saw Michigan was not a host for the women, I was like, nope, we're done for the men. I was like, well, we might be lucky to get in the field because the Michigan women are even better than the Michigan men have been. And, like, you know, they beat Northwestern, I believe, twice. They've beaten Ohio State this season. They did everything you'd ask of them, and yet they are not a number one seed. And then Maddie Duke, oh, my gosh, it's, un it's incredible. Let's go. So that's the first thing that popped out to me for sure on the women's side. Duke going to Baylor on the women's side. And I think a lot of people wanted to see this on the men's side for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but, no, here's the thing about the Duke women. Kelly Chen, Mabel Chi, these guys, or these girls, I should say, excuse me. Um, look, I think they're going to win. I really do. Like, Baylor has had a really good season. The Baylor I think women they've have only lost good. to Texas. That's they've it. They've only lost to Texas. However, I'm telling you guys, here's a little bit of insight from the Duke side. They've been injured all year. They have mm -hmm. not played with their full lineup. They have not been at full strength. This Duke team at full strength is easily a host there is no question and i think they just missed out on hosting by like one spot i think they might have been like the 17th team or something crazy like that so they end up going to baylor major upset alert there guys yeah i mean yeah. look the 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 baylor women while they've lost only to texas four times it may be but but only yep. to texas they've also only beaten one top 20 team yeah so I, it's not it's not like you know th they're a host yes but it's it's not like they're you know when, when you've only got one top 20 win on your resume you're you're doesn't matter who's coming to town you're on upset alert and then to find out it's duke you're definitely on upset alert and i'm with you at duke is probably the favorite in that region oh yeah, yeah. no i mean up and down the board i'm honestly sneaky intrigued i know this is a long-term thing but I saw that Cal performance in the Pac-12 tournament. 
they're not going to. I don't. They're not going to beat North Carolina. But that's going to be a really fun match. And Giovara versus Davatilla at one. That's uh, sensational. Number one singles match. That's as good as it gets in college tennis. Yeah, I mean, up and down the board. Obviously, Pepperdine Stanford is the big takeaway. I mean, some of these regions, it's interesting to see how some of it unfolded. I believe it's Texas A&M, right, who ends up, they're the number 10 team in the computer rankings, Chris. They end up as a number two seed here. Where are they going? I believe they ended up going, right, yeah, to the Northwestern region. Yeah, so so they're technically. They did more adjusting. Well, yeah, I mean, technically A&M is the one seed, but they're just not a host because they were not even pre-selected as one of the potential hosts. So it was already a foregone conclusion that they were going to be a one seed on the road. So yeah, uh, Northwestern technically, uh, you know, the two seed there, but, but yeah, it's a, that's an interesting situation. We didn't have any of those really, we didn't have any of those on the men's side, all the, their top 16 all ended up being, you know, hosts, but on the women's side, you had that one that was not. Mm -hmm. And just some upsets, alerts from across the country. I think Florida could face Oklahoma round two. Oklahoma's got to get through USC first, but that's a a loaded region uh, top to bottom. And then again, you just look here. I mean, the thing is, the schools at the top of the women's game this year, North Carolina, Pepperdine, UCLA, Texas. I can't believe I didn't say Texas. Texas probably should have come second. Uh, Georgia, who's been sensational this year. Those five teams, I will be shocked if I don't see them in the Elite Eight. But then that next tier of the Dukes, uh, who we just haven't seen healthy, the Michigans, Ohio States, Northwesterns, Florida States, Georgia Techs, like there are even UCF on the women's side as well. There are a lot of really, really good women's teams. And again, we know the deal. Bonus seniors. All these fifth years, it's their final year on the job. They're going to be motivated if that Clark uh, C-League match is any uh, foreshadowing of what we're going to see. It should be sensational. Speaking of C-League and Clark, they played that match at number four singles. We do have a tentative look at unchallenged lineups. This is going to be our final topic here today. We are going to come back later in the week. Predictions for both the men's and the women's draws. Those will be separate podcasts. And then again, Tim Russell going to be joining us Wednesday on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Be on the lookout for that to drop as well. But you look at the individual lineups. I'll start with you, Chris. I mean, Ty Tucker's going to tie Tucker. So we know there's some chicanery there. Give me the highlights. What were your favorite things? I mean, you, they've already been pointed out on Twitter, right? The Rodesh at two, you know, well, I think, like I said before, we said this off air, we, we need to, we need to tweet out probably the, the most likely to be challenged type list. Right. So, so that's <laughs> one, uh, you know, uh, Boulay at four. I mean, I don't, I don't know legitimately if you could, if it's even all that challengeable, I mean, he could play four. it's just that we all know he's not going to. I mean, it's kind of like when he, every time he listed Siebert there, and I had already tweeted out that comparison, right? I mean, Siebert legitimately could have played. We just know every match he's going to pull him. So he's he's going to pull him, right? I mean, it's for whatever reason, he doesn't do it. And then who knows, one day, you know, there's going to be one match where he's like, aha, gotcha, he's playing, uh, you know, and, and, you know, maybe it'll be the, maybe it'll be the first round match. Uh, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I haven't had a chance to dissect. I, we all, we, you know, the three of us were looking off air at the, at the, the shakeup, if you will, that we expected to see, but the shakeup in the Florida doubles lineups, right? They, mm-hmm. they went and three at the sec tournament uh, in doubles matches. And you figured either they were going to be doing a whole heck of a lot of serious work with those teams, or they were going to shake them up a little. And they did indeed, uh, shake those doubles lineup. So, so that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know that I've seen too much beyond that. That's been very, uh, very interesting. You know, we always expect, I think the, the wake lineup looked fine. Nothing from Tony, um, you know, Florida, TCU, Illinois, all those teams, exactly what we expected to see. So uh, I think that's so far my first pass. That's what I've I've seen. I think Stanford was a little interesting too, guys. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, saw right. Rotsart at four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I guess based on his record, and you said this, Chris, you know, maybe it's, 
you know, it's valid, right? I mean, I think we all know that he could play two or three. I mean, four seems to be a little bit low for him. You're going to have Ferry at two and Boyer at three, two freshmen there. And again, these are all pre-protests, so we don't know if these are final or anything like that. That one stuck out to me just a little bit. And this guy for Arizona, who, (laughs) this is probably my fault, Herman... Herman Hoyerall? You can... <laughs> Herman Hoyerall for Arizona is submitted at number four. The guys played. They call him Double H, by the way. Double H has played four <laughs> matches all year. He's 3-0 and at number six and 1-0 and at number five. I don't know if this guy has even been rostered the entire season. I don't think he has been. Um, he hasn't played a single match at number four yet. That's where he's been submitted in the lineup. I thought that was a little bit interesting for Arizona. Mm-hmm. Now, how about you mentioned it before we started the pod, Maddie? So I'm still in your work here. Lambling at four for South Carolina. That was absolutely noticeable. I mean, Strom has been playing one, but he's listed at one for Arizona. And there were a couple of trends like that, that we were keeping an eye on. A lot of those things uh, stayed put. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other notable ones. What were some of the trends we saw towards the end of the season that ended up sticking here, Chris? I'm blanking. That's where we're at in the pod. But you look at, uh, I, I think it was across the board. There was another one. Um, I mean, the Georgia lineup has steadied. That, that's something where it's pretty, but it's been pretty similar all year, but it's going to be Croyder Road to uh, Gravilius. You look at things like, I mean, just up the board. No, again, Kolovs- uh, for no Kolovsky for Oklahoma that State. That was the other one. Yep, Brown at three, Monsi at two, Clark, Heck, Cliff. That's what Illinois has been doing down the home stretch. It's just, you know, again, a lot of things. We TCU, that was the other one I was thinking of. TCU going to keep their four, five, six the same as they did at the Big 12 tournament. It's going to be Fernley, Jurasek, and Paralek, Juan Martin on the bench there, number seven. Tennessee, uh, yeah. Wiedemann at four. Uh, yeah, and I, I believe who they go with at, uh, at six. It was, Pat Harper. Uh, yeah. yeah, Harper, exactly. He is their number six as well. And they have their six, by the way, because it's Harper and Walton at number one double. So sometimes you find your six, you ride them. Uh, again, yes, we have to look at the lineups a little bit closer. We have to wait for challenges to filter out. Am I missing anything, Chris? No, I'm just going to say, obviously, for those that may not have been, you know, as close to the situation officially, right, no Keegan Smith for UCLA. So sure. mm-hmm. uh, so they're, you know, they're not even submitted. So that's a not, not, you know, everybody up a spot. So that's going to make it a tough lineup, you know, tough road for, for UCLA. But um, uh, I kind of expected Tachi or Maroney to be in the top three for Wake Forest. I was a little disappointed that Bresky didn't Bresky on us, that he wasn't like, no, 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 you guys just haven't seen Maroney. He's actually the best player on the team. I, I had to do a quick look for, for Double H for Maddie. He's like eighth. <laughs> Eighth UTR on the team at twelve four, so I, I I'm not even sure what that's all about. Wow, makes a, Clancy makes a lot of Shields, sense yeah, he's coming no, out hey. with the the stoppers. He must, may, yeah, he's he's obviously he's he obviously was in that. It, yeah, he must have been in in the fraternity with tie at some point somewhere in his career <laughs> well by the way usc three doubles which is really the spot and we're going to hear an interview from riley smith uh, at some point this week as well him and cookerman are 17 and three destonich and fry 13 and one they don't have a number three doubles team it's been a, a mix-up all time right now it's holton sands who haven't played a match together listed at three jackson and Westrate, who are one and three uh at four I would be surprised if it's not Jackson and or if it's not Western and Sands, excuse me, who've been playing together a lot recently and they've struggled, but it's another thing. You have your six, you ride with them. Maddie. Yeah, I think, for, I mean, I'm, for, go ahead, Maddie. I was just going to say one more quick thing. A&M has of note. I don't think it'll play out like this. Guido Marson submitted at six, Raphael Perot at seven. That's going to flip flop. You know, he's going to pull Marson. Perot's going to get in there at six. He's actually had a pretty good year, decent year. Um, we'll see him at six for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. Yeah, no, I was going to say that, that, that potential uh, USC Pepperdine uh, rematch, right? Pepperdine's now got, you know, their guys back Z Bogle, who's kind of the heart of that team in the lineup. He's four, he's on, he's seven and oh now once he's come back at four and that's kind of the strength. It'll, it's an interesting match because the strength for them is, is going to be a little bit lower. And obviously it's, you know, it's going to be tough for anybody to match up with Kukerman and probably even Riley Smith, although Denuden can, can, but, uh, but yeah, that it, it could get interesting kind of down in that four five, six range where, that is a good strength for Pepperdine. If you're going to pick on USC, you know, maybe you're trying to pick on on some, you know, the Sands Fry type area. 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's a fair point. And again, uh, these are unchallenged lineups. So once we have the final, we'll talk about them more later in the week. With that in mind, two quick rapid fire questions for you guys down the home stretch. Question number one: Something you know, again, because we talk a lot about uh, what are the thing you know, what are the things we dislike. Here's a solution I want to offer. Just curious of what you guys would think. Had they just said we're going to manually seed the top sixteen, just the top sixteen, we're going to manually go through the top sixteen. We are going to include Northwest. But the rest we're going to let leave up to the computer ranking rankings. Is that a solution you guys could have been in favor of, or would it have still been this screwed up? No, I'll start I think, with you, Maddie. Uh, sorry, with you, Chris. No, you answered. Yeah, you, you beat I, I mean, I, I think we thought uh, that that was kind of the way they were. What it was correct. going to go because once you start adjusting some of them, then how far do you go? Yeah, I kind of thought we we figured that they were going to say, "Hey, we took everything into account this year." Uh, just because of all the factors that uh, play at COVID, and yeah, I, I'm, I was, I would have been fine with, you know, seeding the top sixteen. I think, I think we all knew, yes, Michigan and Northwestern were going to be in. It was going to bump to now. It's a matter of seeding, and I would have, I would have much preferred, honestly, to see uh, seedings that were more, uh, you know accurate if you will talent based than computer rank based meaning ohio state certainly should have been seated illinois should have been much higher uh than a 16 uh, that, that would be my vote yeah Maddie? i would agree with everything chris just said there so you know ohio state so basically we would take out uh, we obviously illinois was the 16 seed in this draw but we know that they would be higher the 15 seed Ole Miss. So if we exchange Ohio State and Ole Miss, not one for one where I'm saying Ohio State's the 15 seed, but, you know, let's have Ohio State host. Ole Miss, I'm sorry you don't get to host and just seed it from there. And what about Stanford? I mean, do we put St- – who is 14? Um, you know. There's no Stan- – Stanford was not going to host no matter what after. I mean – You don't think? Three – Three losses outside the top 20. The last one to Oregon sealed their deal. They're, that just yeah. wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, they, that's true. They lost to UCLA. They lost to Oregon. They lost to Arizona State. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it fair. just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, again, it's tough, top to bottom. Well, then, you know, again, with all of that in mind, my final question to you guys before I let you go, and again, uh, A, we're going to have Tim Russell, Cracked Interviews, Wednesday. B, Maddie, Chris, and I will be back, hoping to have Colette Lewis later this week as well to preview the men's and women's draws for this tournament because we talk about it. Yes, we complain, but we're also very, very excited. If you can't tell, this this passion, this emotion comes from a place of excitement. That's how ready we are for postseason play. And with all of that said... I could have skirted this topic. I think I could have gotten away with us never discussing this, and you guys wouldn't have had the opportunity to rip on me, and you wouldn't have had the opportunity to take your free shots. But I'm a grown-up, and I am ready to take the free shots. And just so our listeners don't think I'm ducking anything, Michigan, Illinois, I'll start with you, Maddie, because you seem particularly enthusiastic in our group chat. The floor is yours. <sighs> Look, man. All right. I'm, I'm glad you actually you're giving us the opportunity to rip you here. I, I mean, that's no look. I, I can't I can't rip you that much, man. I mean, look, because Illinois won. Right. That's yeah. that's the thing. I mean, when when you really look at it, Illinois just Illinois had a fantastic tournament. And we mm-hmm. knew we knew that they could have won this thing. I mean, there was there were three teams. I mean, Michigan included that if they played their absolute best they could have won but at the end of the day it just it seemed like illinois wanted this pretty bad um you know and i don't really have that much to say gruskin just because mm-hmm. illinois showed up they played great tennis all weekend long michigan yeah i mean i thought it was it it definitely wasn't their best performance i mean you know, Fenty to lose in the fashion that he did. I, I wouldn't expect that to happen, especially him not playing one. I mean, I thought that was a little bit bizarre. Um, you know, Maloney and, and AB at three, like there were just matches there that I didn't think were going to go the way that they did. Um, mm-hmm. But but credit to, credit to Illinois, especially after the dubs point. I mean, Michigan wins that dubs point. I'm thinking, all right, for sure, they're going to win three singles here. But yeah, one, two, and three. Bam, bam, bam. Kova, Monsi, AB, 
they came up huge and that was the difference when you win three straight set matches one through three i mean you're gonna win that dual match 99 percent of the time and they found another one at number six that also a little bit surprising but not really no way cleef i mean the guy he's been around for a while nino aaron schneider younger guy i mean that's these things happen um overall tough for michigan because they won the dubs point they put themselves in a good position but again when you have those top guys rolling for illinois i mean what are you gonna do they're good mm-hmm. chris floor is yours I'll, i'm my i'm wide I'm spread eagle take your shots I mean, I died. It's I can't even take a shot. I mean, they just got their butt kicked. I yeah. mean, you know, they they win doubles, and and I'm thinking, yep, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna find their way through this one fairly, you know, fairly comfortably, meaning four two or four three, but probably feel pretty decently in control for a lot of the way. But man, I mean, they just gave they gave it away really quick that lead, and and all of a sudden, even after getting the doubles point, we're we're basically fighting from. Uh, from behind it's uh yeah and, and taking the law you know maloney taking the loss to ab that that's uh i think that was a that was a kick for him um yeah i that de- illinois definitely definitely deserved it and i honestly Gruskin, i wish you you and not whatever intern lackey Luke. you sent to video <laughs> uh the, the match was there because i watched in the final i'm sitting there i'm watching the cash no way cliff match and i mean there is absolutely zero secret to what robbie cash is going to do everybody in the house knows he's going to serve and volley he's coming to the net every time i swear that dancer walked out to cliff between every point and i feel like i heard him saying get closer get closer not so far back not so far back and cliffs returning from 12 feet behind the baseline never chipped and charged once yeah. i don't get it i'm like i'm texting everybody i know going why he knows he's gonna serve and volley why is he standing there and letting him get to the net and doing nothing about it I'd, and in the end he ended up winning the match but i mean sometimes it's better you're better to be lucky than good but I mean, I, I still don't know. I don't know how. I don't. I honestly don't know how he won the match. Well, the other thing, Chris, is every serve. He didn't just serve and volley, Robbie Cash. He served every ball to the backhand. Yes. Every yes. single time, and Cliff was just chipping these backhand returns, knowing that he's coming into the net. And Robbie Cash just comes in, boop. I mean, puts the ball away. It was. It was funny. I mean, to watch that. But hey. I mean, who got the result at the end of the yeah. day, you know, I mean, he got the last laugh. So, you know, we can't make fun of him too bad because he did end up winning that match, but it was apparent. It was very noticeable just watching it yeah. on the stream, serve to the backhand, come to the net, serve to the backhand, come to the net, chip return, chip return, chip <laughs> return. Yeah. It was just, it was kind of funny. Yeah. I'm sure that'll be one when he's watching the film that he'll probably go, man, I didn't, I didn't see. I played what was great. I thinking? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's not going to happen again. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, no. And, I mean, and honestly, for for Illinois to to take a loss in Kova and in the final and still win, I mean, that was just super impressive performance from Illinois in the tournament. They did yeah, dominate your- Dubs though against Ohio State. They did dominate the Dubs, and that was a huge, huge factor. Wait, wait, as wait, it, wait. As it always is. That brings up we we did I. I don't think you brought it up when we talked lineups, did you, Gruskin? Uh, what did I know? Ohio State Dubs. Dubs. Oh, no, we did say. We said Tucker was going to Tucker. I mean, yeah, Boulay, Trotter, one. Cash, McNally, two. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, we talked singles, but I didn't think it's gonna be Mercer the and Tra- In the end, it's going to be Mercer and Tracy at three doubles. Like, you'll see. <laughs> no Selig, no Kingsley. Trust me. I know. That's half the fun. Um, no, yeah, it's it's funky stuff. And, by the way, I, one of the questions I've forgotten to ask you guys is, are you concerned about the individual draw? But we'll save the individuals for the next time. I will say this. I am concerned. The, I'll the answer that. Easier, yeah, team's easier half, right? That's a pretty quick question, right? It's like I if, am concerned. If, if, Chris? Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly it's easier to do the team. So if the teams went straight computer rank, that sort of lends you to think mm-hmm. that I, what I, what now they'll probably they've got a lot of input here. They they've received some other sets of ranks and there are things out there like Massey ratings and whatnot. So I think they'll do the same thing from the standpoint of they're probably going to go ITA computer ranks and then pick out 
some real outliers like Kingsley, you know, like Kova, like McNally, et cetera, that go, okay, they need to go in. Now, now my biggest question will be, even after they identify those people, are they going to do exactly what they did with the teams and let them get seated according to their ITA rank, which means they're all unseated. Uh, mm -hmm. So you get a field where the 60, we, you can, you can have your 16 seeds and you and I can pick 16 seeds and they'll probably be better than the 16 seeds that are actually there. You've um, got a first round matchup of Val Vachero and Cannon Kingsley. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, no Blumberg King. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah. I was going to say you, you could have, yeah, you, you could have like Kingsley Kova, First round, neither season. All right, but we deserve that. That would be the one win. Yeah, that That'd would be, be like, okay. okay cool. That would be okay. Yeah. And then somebody can just go home early. But, yeah. uh, you know, or Blumberg against either one of them. Yeah. It, that could, I mean, those kinds of things could legit happen if they all end up unseated. That's that's a fear. But I don't, I, I think they'll do the same thing with the teams where they kind of look at the, those outliers that probably deserve to be in. I'm a, again, I'm, I won't be as concerned for that, I don't think, as I am just how are they going to seed them. No, 100%. And again, we will be back later this week to discuss the individual draws to give a even further breakdown of the regions we have happening across the country. But again, when it's a day like this, one of the best days of the year, NCAA field is set. And despite all the gripes, all the complaints, all the things we may change more than anything else, we have finally arrived to the college at the college tennis postseason. And after, what, 24 months of not having it, uh, it is certainly nice to be back. So, of course, again, fun week of college tennis ahead. That means we are going to have a, a ton of coverage here at Crack Rackets. I believe guests lined up for this week. Riley Smith, Tim Russell, Claire Pollard of Northwestern going to be, excuse me, on the show as well. We will have preview podcasts for the men, preview podcasts for the women. Hoping to get Colette Lewis on uh, at least one of those shows. Also, of course, Maddie Chris going to be joining me throughout the time. If we have any Red Zone broadcasts, any developments, we will be sure to keep all of you listeners in the loop. But again, to follow everything that's about to go down, be sure to just set it as your homepage, CrackedRackets.com. If you need those more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to the super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an any job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Turner Grip. Remember, you can email uh, sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, Maddie, I'll go to you first. Any final reaction, any emotions left on the table? I feel like this was a good therapy session. I'm feeling great, man. Overall, I'm, <laughs> I'm juiced. I am ready to yeah. go. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't stop smiling. I, I know. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm ready to make some predictions. So everyone needs to come back, need to see what we're going to predict. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I love it. Chris, final word goes to you. Oh, I I nothing left for this one, man. I just, I'm, I'm ready for tomorrow, and let's see the individuals come out. That's what happens when you've been wasted all day making these picks, right? Just wasted all day. Or what was it? Hammered. Excuse me. Hammered all Hammered. day. That's what it was. Yeah, but with that in mind, for my fantastic co-hosts who stayed up late for me, I love you both as always. Matt the Cracks, Dakoyak, Chris Hallioris. For our super producers, Max Fleekner and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Turn of Tennis, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. Great shot. We'll see you all throughout the week. Thanks, everyone.